If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today I'd like to introduce Brooke Dobbin. Brooke's a show jumper rider, trainer and coach. He's currently competing and has been for the last 20 years at World Cup show jumping level. He's located at Glenwood Park in Yarra Glen, Victoria, and also does some work with racehorses and rehabilitation horses. How are you today, Brooke? I'm very good, Gwyneth. Good. Brooke, we normally start off with an inspirational quote or a quote that you often use when you're teaching. Have you got one you can share with us? The one I live by quite a lot, not so much that I use it in my teaching, but one that I live by myself for my competition is an old Japanese proverb of fall down seven, stand up eight. Because as we know, the horse world, we always have ups and downs. And it's basically a quote to never give up, keep working hard. And no matter how many times you get knocked down, go again, because it'll only get better. Yep, that's good. And I think each time you get back up, you get back up with just that little bit more strength as well. That's correct. Yeah. Brooke, we've got a lot of people come from different backgrounds, so I'm interested to know how you started with horses and what your first memories are. My first memories are where I grew up in a small coastal town in East Gippsland, Victoria, of Malacuta. I was about 11 years old when I first got put on a horse. My first ride, I actually got bucked off and broke my arm. <laughs> um, so that is my first memory of first ride, break my arm. And it just started from there. We moved back to Melbourne. Some friends of my mother's gave her a horse at the time and she didn't want to ride. And I sort of thought it seemed like a good idea at the time and it devolved into a whole lifestyle choice. It's funny, isn't it? I'm just thinking about, you know, your quote that you used about falling down seven times and getting back up eight. Did you have that in mind when you got bucked off and you thought you'd get back on again? Look, I'm not sure I had it in mind back then when I was 11 years old, but I have often wondered to myself whether I was extremely, well, let's say for lack of a better term, stupid, or <laughs> just that I had a real desire to ride, but if I've broken my arm on the first ride and I still want to ride horses after that, there's got to be something in it for me. Mm, mm. And Brooke, you're really a show jumping specialist. Have you done anything else in any other disciplines or you've just always wanted to do show jumping or what brought you along those lines? Look, it's always mainly been show jumping. I have evented a little bit. I have done dressage a little bit. I did the pony club thing, do games and different sports like that. But Show jumping has definitely been my passion from a very early age and it's sort of always where I wanted to go. Okay. And being a professional in the horse industry, you'd see other people coming in that would like to be in the horse industry. What sort of advice would you give them or what sort of character traits are you looking at for them to have? It's too part in this industry. It is an awesome industry with some awesome people around. You have to be prepared to work harder than you can possibly imagine make successful. If there's daylight hours, you're doing something. If there's uh, a way you can improve yourself or your training, you're trying to reach that goal. 
there's never a complacent time where you can just sit back and be happy with where you're at. You're always striving for the next goal on, on your journey. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's probably good advice for someone who thinks that it's going to be a bit cushy and, you know, all they're going to do all day is just pat horses and ride horses. It's not quite like that, is it? Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's very nice when we're at a show and we're at one of our elite shows and it looks all very fancy and we're riding nice horses and competing in the ring, but the amount of hours and time that goes into actually achieving to get that horse to that level, to that show, rain, hail, hot weather, dust, whatever, it, it's, you've got to go through all the hard times before you can possibly think about having the good times. Mm, mm. Now, thinking about, you know, the hard times, the good times, people that you've learned from, who are the main people or who can you think of that's influenced you within your career? Look, there's a couple of people that have probably come to mind, first of all. My, one of my first coaches was a lady that now helps with sports psychology a lot called Lisa Stevens. So Lisa Stevens was my first show jumping coach from where I used to live. She was not only a great coach but so involved with the sports psychology side, she kept grounded and enabled you to work out where you wanted to go and how you were going to get there. The second person would be Brendan Page, who is now deceased, but he taught me a lot about handling and competing stallions. And the first purpose bred horses that I rode were his. In recent years, two people are stand out in my mind, Michelle Lang and Jamie Coleman, both show jumping specialist people. Both still help me to this time and both still offer me invaluable advice right up to today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was going to say, Jamie's been a guest on our show and, um, yeah, I'm sure if people want to listen to his interview, they'll be able to do that. Just search for Jamie Coman on the uh, search page. What about horses that have influenced you, Brooke? There's a couple that stand out. Probably one that stood out, probably more than the others, was a horse called Advisor that I had. He actually won many World Cups and won the World Cup League here in Australia, Mm -hmm. represented Australia three times on a trans-Tasman team. He was probably my most influential horse I've owned. Beyond that, I was lucky enough to be able to take a couple of stallions back from Australia to compete through Europe at places like Hickstead. Um, So those sorts of things were pretty amazing to be able to do. Okay, okay. You've had a lot of proud moments, I'm sure. You know, you've ridden at a high level, you're competing quite a few horses. What's been your proudest moment? Look, it's a few that stand out. As I said, winning the World Cup League here in Australasia was certainly one of my better achievements. Winning, I won a 160 Grand Prix at Hickstead, which is a four-star show in England, Mm -hmm. and there are 30,000 people watching live there on the grounds, and the atmosphere just becomes electric. So that, that also is something that I think about and strive to be able to do again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. Oh, just let me interrupt you for a moment, just to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at Online Horse College. Have a look at the flexible options with online theory. The practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Okay, I want you to put on your coach's cap and think about problems that you see, you often see you competing, that you think, you know, you can fix. So if you can talk about the problems that are there and also how to fix it. 
Look, a lot of my coaching, I evolve around what I call three simple rules. And the first of those rules is the rhythm and the canter for our show jumping courses. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a consistent, even tempo. It's got to be a 12-foot stride because no matter where you are in the world, the courses are built on 12-foot distances. Mm -hmm. My second rule is talking about the rider's upper body because quite often you see people adapting different positions over the fence or before the fence, which will adversely affect the way a horse jumps. So I talk about my upper body being an open chest and keep your chin up, keep your hands a little taller. Mm -hmm. But the third thing, the third rule I really coach by is using your eyes early. If we're not watching where we're going, the horse has got no direction. If we're not watching where we're going, we can't actually see a good distance to the next fence. So it's always, I teach everyone that comes to me for lessons about the canter, the body and the eyes. Okay, now is this for the more beginner, the more novice riders and also the more experienced riders? They're the main thing? Very much so, yeah. Like, I mean, I teach teach people right through to an eventing gold medalist at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, back to your basic people, it's a constant, what do we call it, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're at a low level or a high level. It, it is really about a repetition is the way we learn and a constant, God, I keep getting lost for words. It's sort of hard <laughs> to put it into words. But, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't matter whether you're a beginner or you're a seasoned competitor. It's just someone with eyes on the ground that can remind you of a few basics to keep you going mm-hmm. and improve the position of where you're at. Okay. All right, now think about it and thinking about now the rehabilitation of horses. When horses come to you to be rehabilitated, what sort of problems do you see that they've had that you work with the horses? And, you know, how, how are you going to fix them? Yeah. Well, we have two different types of rehabilitation that we run here one surgical tendons, ligament problems, back problems that we run through a specialist program with a, or with a state-of-the-art treadmill. Mm-hmm. The other rehabilitation side is obviously an educational side for the horse's mind, coming off the track or coming from a bad owner or a bad rider. Each case is so individual, there's no set guidelines as to why we approach things. I just believe that you sort of learn as you've been in the horses long enough that when you get a certain problem, you just try it a certain way, but there's no set answer. Every horse is different and they can even change from day to day. So there's no set answers of how you approach a certain problem. It's just basically reading where they're at and how they're going to behave if you put certain pressure on them. Okay. Have you got a case study or something that you can tell me about a horse that you have rehabilitated that you've, you know, quite proud of or you've, you've feels come a long way? Look, we do quite a bit of flat work, education, dressage sort of work on many of some high-quality racehorses, trying to relax their brains so they can use their ability more on the track, like teaching them how to canter a lot more balanced, being able to do a flying change so they're not coming around a corner disunited, that sort of thing. So, I mean, that's one big part of the work we do is with current racehorses, trying Mm -hmm. to give them a little bit more balance and education but we you know we've also brought on I, I one of the ones I can remember as a thoroughbred that I got off the track that went on to be named on a short list for the Sydney Olympics so you know, that's a whole different side of it again because you're working down a path to try and educate them for the sport you're involved in not 
educating for the sport that the horse is involved in, if that makes sense. All right. Yeah, yeah. So you're rehabilitating horses when they're off the track to go on and become competition performance horses, but you're also rehabilitating race horses to go back and continue to train on the track. Is that right? That's correct, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it is definitely a very two-part thing depending on where the horse is headed themselves. Okay, well, it's, that's good news for performance people that are looking for horses and also good news for racehorse people who are, who know that. And a lot of people have horses but also have racehorses and they might know that there's something wrong, not be in the position to be able to fix it, but that now that they know that you're around, they can contact you anyway, yeah. Yeah, some of Melbourne's and I'm sure Australia's leading trainers are actually seeing a lot different path for their very good horses these days. Mm. And it does involve a lot more flat work and dressage and communication work on the arenas at places like ours to be able to teach a horse how to move and how to balance more correct to be able to do its job racing. Yes, yes. I think there's a lot more awareness now with racehorses and what can be done with them within their training. It's not just a matter of getting them fit, but there is some training that's involved as well. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Brooke, what does your future hold? In the short term, we have a great selection of horses going at the moment. So watching them improve, hoping that we find the next superstar in one of the ones we have at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Long term, we want to be able to get back overseas, represent Australia, possibly compete at the Olympics, or the World Equestrian Games. All of our goals are probably very similar to most riders. It just I feel we're in a great position where we are in life at the moment to see some of these goals be achieved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you got any young horses that you want to tell us about? Uh, look, we have. I'm lucky enough to ride for a very big stud, a sport horse stud that's in New Zealand, but is consistently sending me new young ones to try out, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We have... We have seven horses that probably stand out at the moment, but, you know, they're at stages at 130, 140 level. Mm-hmm. I have two stallions at the moment, one that's my World Cup horse at the moment, and then one that's only a six-year-old but jumping 140. It's sort of a bit hard to tell which one of them is going to make the mark. They all show extreme talent, rideability. It's a matter of time to work out which which if any, or if more than one, will mm-hmm. actually make the grade when it comes to it. Okay. And I'm sure that they're in great hands being able to do that. You know, you've been there, done that, so I'm sure that you'll be able to spot some talent or spot some exceptional talent as they come through. Yeah, well, I'm lucky enough now to have ridden 12 different World Cup horses mm-hmm. at that league, so I believe that if I'm going to be able to find one, then um, I'm going to be able to produce two. Good, good. Now, Brooke, how would you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today? Look, I'd probably go back to the same three rules that I speak about because I work upon it myself, Mm -hmm. about the canter and the body and the eyes. It is a massive part of what I do for myself and the way I teach. I don't believe in using tricks or confusing people. I believe in giving them confidence but trying to keep it simple at the same time whilst I'm helping them improve to get to their goals to where they want to be. Okay, good, good. And what about if people need to contact you? What's your best contact? Either mobile. My mobile is 0418 Email is just glenwoodpark at bigpond.com. 
either of those two ways, you can easily get hold of me. If anyone has any questions or wants advice or we buy and sell horses, we can find horses for people. Um, We're not limited to any one thing in the horse world. We're very open to doing all sorts of different things and open to new adventures. Wonderful. Okay, then, Brooke. And also, too, if people do need to contact you and they've missed those details, we can just go to horsechats.com slash Brooke Dobbin. Thanks very much for your time today, Brooke. It's been great talking to you. I'm sure that people are going to be thinking um, about the canter, the body and their eyes as they're warming up, preparing to jump and also jump. So that's a great lesson to take away. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dennis. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.